A science story, huh? And I just thought, well, I figured it out. It was that golden moment because science was on my side. Hey everyone, I'm Ben Lilly, and welcome to the Story Collider, where we bring you true personal stories about science. This week's story is from Suze Kendu. The story was recorded in November 2014 at the Book Club in London. Uh, hello, good evening. Uh, so from the, the drop in the microphone, you will know that I am a nanochemist. Um, quite tiny. I've also been billed as a dancer tonight, and I will get to that in a moment. So yes, I'm Suze, and I love making lists. I make lists of the chores that I have to do. I make lists of different projects that I have going on. I have been known to make lists of lists. Um, and this kind of list making kind of got to me a bit because every list had a deadline and that was quite stressful. So I decided during my PhD, I would make a happy list, a list of good things, a list of 101 things to do and see and learn in my life. I don't like to call it a bucket list because I feel like that's a bit too morbid and there is a literal deadline at the end of it, which I didn't really like. So I needed to put this list somewhere and it started off as an Excel file and that was a little bit boring. Sorry, Excel fans. So I remembered that my auntie had given me this really cute notebook. Um, it only had 98 pages in it and I had 101 things to put on this uh, in this notebook. So I added a few pages with some Pritt stick and this is the notebook. So each page has a different item on my 101 list. So I've achieved a lot on this list. I've seen the Grand Canyon. I've made pizza in Naples. I passed a PhD miraculously. Um, and there's things that I haven't done yet, but I look forward to doing, like seeing penguins in Antarctica. I'd really like to stroke a lion. And I really want to sing on stage at Wembley Stadium. Yeah. <laughs> Um, now, I, I am well aware that some of these things on the list may not happen. Um, I'm not putting singing on stage at Wembley Stadium in that bracket because don't stop believing, as Journey said. Um, but I did put something on there that I didn't think I'd ever be able to do, and that was to dance on point. So dancing on point is dancing on your tiptoes in very specialised shoes. Um, I will get to what those are like in a moment, but the reason I always wanted to do it was because I've been doing ballet from the age of two and a half, and I couldn't wait to dance on point when I got to 11 years old. Dame Margot Fontaine was my absolute ballet hero. She always used to sign our certificates as the president of the Royal Academy of Dance when I was tiny. My dad got me this beautiful picture of her and her regular dance partner, Rudolf Nureyev, um, and it just really inspired me. And as a Surrey girl myself, she was also from Surrey. And there's a really beautiful statue of her dancing on point on her tiptoes outside a company that I actually worked for briefly. So I really couldn't wait to dance on point. So I was, I can't remember, about 11 or 12 when I went to my first point class. I'd been fitted with my point shoes in Drury Lane, turned up at my point class. And we were told not to put them on because you had to break them in very specifically. So I put these shoes on, and they're beautiful, and they're satin, and they have ribbons and everything. And we hold on to the bar. And we go on to our tiptoes. And, ouch. I have never felt pain like that in my life. 
So it's like shoving your foot into an angular wooden block. It's like they're made of paper mache or something. And I did a little bit of maths. And uh, the, the pressure that I'm sort of exerting here on two feet is about 17,000 pascals. But on point, it's, I think, 313,000. So it's 17 times what I'd normally be feeling on one point shoot, which is ridiculous. So no wonder it hurts. Now, we used to shove lamb's wool and stuff into the point shoe, and that eased some of the pain and some of the rubbing. But there was something else going on that my teacher didn't really tell me enough about at the time, and that was that I have a thing called hypermobility syndrome, which means I'm super bendy. Now, it's great for... I was going to say certain things, and I meant ballet. Certain things. (laughs) I'll say great for that. (laughs) But, But thank you. Good rescue. Um, But it also has some disadvantages because it means that I tend to use all the wrong muscles to do things. So hypermobility basically means that you overextend things. So as an example, my elbow here um, is at a slightly dodgy angle and it really shouldn't be. I think it's supposed to stop about here and it doesn't. It carries on. Um, I would show you my freaky shoulder, which should be up here, but never is because it falls straight out. Um, So everything is bendier than it should be. And it means that all my sort of peripheral muscles have to work that much harder to keep me stable and stop me from hyperextending too much. Now, this is is a bit of a problem in everyday life. Not a huge problem because some people get it really badly. I don't get it so badly. I get a headache now and again because I'm using all the wrong muscles in my neck and shoulders. I went on an expedition um, up Mount Etna And I had to be quite sensible and say no to things when I could feel my back clicking out and stuff. Uh, The consequences of not listening to my body mean that if I do something that is quite strenuous, it aches for a long time. So I get DOMS, delayed onset muscle soreness, for about two weeks if I do something that I shouldn't have done, such as the alpine trek that we did. Um, And I, I always used to feel really embarrassed about it because it's such a ridiculous thing you know I'm too bendy and pathetic and I can't do stuff because it's going to hurt me but actually I've started talking about it a bit more now because it really does hurt and it can be quite a pain literally um so what does this have to do with point well it means that I have a very low instep and it means that my arches are quite fallen so I have very flat feet and when you dance on point you really need a high instep because you need to go over the shoe so that your centre of gravity is appropriate, so that you're not falling backwards. You need a lot of stability. You also need a lot of strength because any tiny slip with 17 times the amount of pressure going through you, it's going to hurt if something's not aligned properly. So my teacher at the time said I couldn't really dance on point. And not long after that, my point career and my ballet career ended and so science came to the rescue and that was great Uh, I didn't think I'd ever go back to ballet and I didn't ever think I'd dance on point but I did put it on my 101 list just in the hope that maybe one day ridiculously I would do it and that day came earlier this year so in January I joined a dance school Uh, they're called irreverent dance and they're really friendly it's a really positive place to dance they're body positive they're really open to, to anyone that hasn't for any reason been able to dance before or has lost confidence in dance for for whatever reason so I did my grade three I think it was and that was all on normal ballet flats and that was fine And then my teacher, Amanda, who is 
brilliant, said, we've got point classes for adults. Do you want to do it? And I immediately panicked because I thought, well, I really desperately want to do it, but I'm terrified because I could really hurt myself here. Now, thankfully, she is really well trained and she checked my ankles and she checked my arches. She checked that I was strong enough to be able to do it. And so I went back to Drury Lane and I got some new point shoes and I got to the bar and I went on tiptoes and it hurt again. But thankfully, this is the one time that my, my work and my social life have come together because thanks to material science, dancing on point is actually so much more comfortable. Lamb's wool has gone out of the window and has been replaced with gel ouch pouches. That's actually what they're called. So they're these like gel fabric pouches that you put your toes into and you put your point shoes on and they stop everything from rubbing and they cushion it all. That's cool, but it got even cooler because now you can buy non-Newtonian ballet shoes. So. Yeah, I know. It's like they were made for me. So material science has come to the rescue here. So a non-Newtonian material is a little bit like the naughty teenager of a material. A Newtonian material would follow the normal laws of physics and mechanics. Something like water. If you punched a bucket of water, your hand would go straight through. The viscosity, the thickness of that water wouldn't change. A non-Newtonian material, however, is like the naughty teenager of the material world. And so it disobeys these normal laws. So if anybody has punched a mixture of corn flour and water, you'll know that it kind of, on impact, goes sort of solid. The particles lock together. They can't move past one another. And that's why they're non-Newtonian, because they disobey those laws of physics. Now, these you can't really fill a, a point shoe with corn flour, but there's a company down in Brighton called D3O who have created this non-Newtonian orange goo. Now, you don't really want orange goo in your point shoe either but they've managed to embed it into foams and fabrics, which they're using for a range of applications. And they've teamed up with, with point shoe makers Capulet to create the Juliet shoe. So the toe box is a non-Newtonian foam. It's really comfortable to wear. And the whole shank of the shoe is also non-Newtonian. So it's really comfortable, but as soon as you're on point, it provides you with all the support. So... Thanks to material science and thanks to my delightful ouch pouches. Started off on the bar, got up on there, managed to come back down again. No niggles yet. Now, by strengthening and strengthening, I managed to get through the sort of eight to ten week course that we did. And I managed to tick something off my 101 list that I never thought I'd be able to do. But it gets even better because uh, a couple of weeks ago, we did an annual showcase. And I managed to dance on point on stage, dressed as the ninth doctor, with 12 other doctors all along the, the stage with me, and two point Daleks. Yeah. It's quite a niche show, I'm not going to lie. But I was taking off all the things that I really, really love. So thanks to some awesome material science and engineering, I've managed to tick something off my list that I never thought I'd be able to do. Fingers crossed for that non-Newtonian body armour for when I do stroke that lion. Thank you so much. <laughs> that was Suze Kandu. 
Suze is a teaching fellow at Imperial College London where she shares her love of material science and engineering with anyone who will stand still long enough. In addition, she presents many outreach and public engagement workshops and demo lectures and pops up on TV fairly regularly, getting excited about everything from aerosol to zirconia. She is also fresh off the stage from Irreverent Dance's annual showcase. For more science stories, take a look at storycollider.org. We have archives of the podcast and upcoming events. Also, we depend on listeners like you for support. If you love the podcast, please consider donating at storycollider.org slash donate. Story Collider is produced by me, Brian Weck, Darren Barker, and Ari Daniel. The podcast is produced by Rose Eveleth. Additional help from Brooke Williams, Lena Groger, and Justin D'Ambrosio. The theme music is by Ghost. Special thanks to the book club for hosting the show and to Material Science for giving us the phrase non-Newtonian shoes. Thanks for listening.